You know, yeah, I can certainly see you right now uh, bundled up uh, while I am uh, wearing my Hawaiian shirt out here in Southern California. So, you know, I, uh, my heart goes out to you. Well, thank you, Duncan. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, underneath my coat and my um, sweatshirt and my scarf, yeah. I am also wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Awesome. So, so it's... Uh, <laughs> The sun is shining somewhere in my heart. Welcome to The Comedian and the Philosopher, a conversation both high and lowbrow. I'm Mike Leibovitz, your resident comedian. And I am Duncan Gale, your peripatetic philosopher. Peripatetic, good word. Yes. Um, you filled me in on it once before. It means walking around, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, so you, are all, you are peripatetic in a rather deceptive sense because I see you sitting down as we're speaking. That's right. I am I am only peripatetic in my mind at the moment. Yeah. So is is that something you could say that uh, the peripatosis of the mind? I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Right on. <laughs> um how's it going, Duncan? How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think last week yeah, I think I told you about. Um, yeah, I started reading that comic book series, the the uh, the uh, boys, and yeah, I read through like the first couple of uh, arcs of that, but then I I switched over to the TV show, and yeah, the uh, the uh, TV show is uh, quite good. Yeah, yeah, I really uh, I really dig it so far. I'm about about halfway through the through the first season of it, and uh, yeah, it's a really a really great, yeah, uh, sort of satire and kind of, yeah, antidote. Yeah, I think for a lot of people that are that are burnt out on the on the superhero stuff or that you know are are impatient with with people that are just always worshiping the superheroes. This is uh, definitely the other side of the kind of uh, equation. It's yeah, corporately sponsored superheroes that are. Uh, um, kind of jerks and yeah, a group of a group of just regular Joes who are uh, sort of keeping an eye on them. Um, yeah, and and that's that, that that's one interesting uh, difference between the TV show and the the comic books is that uh, yeah, I mean I think you 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 reasonably ask the question of yeah, I mean if there's if there's this group called the boys that are like policing the superheroes, don't they also have to have superpowers right and in the comics they do but that kind of 
that kind of creates a weird sort of complication. And the the TV show is kind of simplified it in, in in that you know these the these these guys don't have superpowers and that kind of like raises the stakes because they have to like be be clever in the way that they sort of are like like they they, they kind of have like elaborate traps that they lure the superheroes into to kind of like you know um beat them up or in some cases kill them yeah so the um, the superheroes in the TV show have superpowers, but are kind of dumb. Um, they're they're uh, not not uh, necessarily dumb, but just yeah. The, but 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 the guys that are that are fighting them just have to be you know many steps ahead of them in order to to actually you know be effective at their jobs. So gotcha. Yeah. Seems sort of symbolically in line with the. Um, the relationship of human beings in a state of nature to their environment. That's right. right. Yeah. No, it is. Uh, it is very Hobbesian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we want to talk about Thomas Hobbes's view of the life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this show is very much in line with that sort of pessimistic view of, of human nature. Uh, to, to an extent, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, anyway, you know, but I was thinking uh-huh. about that more, more in terms of sort of, if you think not necessarily a, a Hobbesian view of human nature, but if you think about, um, you know, a caveman, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts of more powerful creatures in his environment around him. Oh, There's sure. the, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, the saber toothed tiger and the, the, uh, mammoths and whatever else. Right. And he has to secure the safety of himself and his group by outsmarting, outsmarting these uh, predators in his mm-hmm. environment. And th- that's basically what we still do, although I think we've killed off most of the really, um, you know, mo- most of the worst predators. I mean, if you think about all these campaigns now to save the tigers or, you know, save the lions and these right. endangered species, it is a very recent time in the history of civilization where the where the dominant um, sort of uh, opinion on what to do with these animals mm-hmm. wouldn't have been kill them all. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think also, yeah, all of the sort of technology that we have um, has uh, kind of distanced ourselves from the, from the sort of more crafty uh, problem-solving um, origins uh uh that we that we have yeah so that yeah i mean we don't have to worry about yeah any kind of predators or or, or stuff because yeah we have all of this technology at our fingertips to kind of deal with that as well so yeah yeah yeah, i guess that's maybe a little bit different from the the heroes in which i mean i imagine that the um the the boys Mm -hmm. um right uh, you know, they're not the only ones who have access to GPS and um, automobiles and stuff like that. The, the heroes can also avail themselves of that kind of technology if they wanted to, right? Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting, yeah, because the, I mean, the uh, the uh, superheroes on the show, I mean, they're, you know, there's all kinds of um, sources they're drawing from, but I think the the main kind of analog is that they're supposed to be kind of like the 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 uh, Justice League. Like there's a very clear 
uh, main guy who's supposed to be Superman, although he's got some some elements of Captain America in him, and his name is um, um, Homelander. Uh, so it's uh-huh. a great, yeah, it's a great kind of uh, par- <laughs> parody of that. Uh, yeah, and then there's there's like a clear Wonder Woman and like the Flash and, and Aquaman type characters in it as well. Uh, and yeah, yeah, and the, the the main guy, Homelander. Yeah, I mean he's, you know, it's yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see that character as like the the villain of a show. And 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 yeah, and he 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 is he is a real kind of threat because because he is definitely the kind of smartest of the superheroes and is kind of on to a lot of what the the uh, boys are doing and he also has basically superman level powers uh and stuff uh-huh. and, and and so you know it's yeah yeah so again yeah i mean he's got like the the super hearing and the x-ray vision and everything so yeah the boys have to you know be kind of on their guard against that uh so so yeah yeah that that's 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 a really uh interesting show um yeah and otherwise yeah i mean i mean the last week yeah i just kind of been um yeah hanging out uh continuing to um do my uh online teaching stuff and um yeah still haven't really had any uh any big uh incidents with that yeah i'm all i mean i mean ever ever since ever since going fully online with the teaching i'm I mean, it's 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 uh, a lot easier in some ways, but the the difficulty is that I'm like uh, I'm like always on call, like I'm always on guard for like uh, emails from students about you know them them complaining about something, like you know some some assignment is confusing or you know, you know I mean I I I mean I, f- I feel like every week when I when I um, release the new content for the class. It's like I'm I'm releasing this elaborate Rube Goldberg machine, and but mm-hmm. then but then I have to go back and constantly check it to make sure nobody has gotten like tangled in the in in what, what, one of the steps of the machine or something. Because you know, to 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 me, I'm trying to be like as clear as possible with how I present stuff. But you know. I, I'm always probably going to miss something. So yeah, that's 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 basically what online teaching is to me. <laughs> is an elaborate game of mousetrap. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Where yeah. where you can't see the <laughs> the board that the players are playing on. That's and right. You just are sitting around waiting to hear about. Uh, oh, the foot didn't kick the bird cage. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I wonder about, I think about, you know, this online, um, teaching, especially for college. Like my kids are in online school here, but when you, when you get to a college professor, mm-hmm. you know, and you're giving basically like a lecture, right. And then you give right. assignments and then you have to grade the assignments. Yep. What do we, what is to prevent, a, a sort of a shift in the way that, um, in a way that education, higher education is delivered where Mm -hmm. you have one superstar professor, right? If you're studying psychology, say like everyone can take the class from Steven Pinker, you know, and Steven Pinker gives the lecture, which I believe he's actually posting all of his lectures on YouTube. Oh, sure. Um, So, and a lot of people are doing that, but what's to stop like the, the uh, institutions of higher learning from adopting a model where they just have a few sort of superstar professors who are, you know, giving a lecture to, you know, 
25,000 students right. and then just hiring um, graders and, you know, yeah. just sort of people to um, help, uh, you know, uh, help people fix their Rube Goldberg, you know, a Rube Goldberg help hotline basically is right. is what's required. I mean, is that something that you worry about or is that something you think would be good or is that just not going to happen because COVID will be over and we'll go back to normal? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's definitely it's definitely something I'm worried about to a, to a certain extent. I mean, I I feel like in some ways higher education is kind of trending in that direction a little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, wh- whatever they can do to kind of, yeah, cut out the, the overhead and sort of right. make things a little more streamlined. It seems like a lot of a lot of schools are heading that way. Um, I mean, there there are there are certainly a number of schools that are um, stubbornly resisting anything like that and are saying like, no, no, the you know the kind of um, you know unique um, experience of the of the in person classroom uh, instruction is is something that we want to we want to uh, preserve at all costs, but. You know, that's that's a <laughs> that's a kind of minority position, I think, in turn, you know, the kind of f- f- further <laughs> right. up you get into the administrations. Uh, right, right. We yeah, want to preserve that at all costs, unless, of course, those costs happen to be monetary. That's and right. then uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe we should do a little cost benefit analysis real quick. Well, it yeah. strikes me what also is is um, in sort of insidious about this trend is it's not just OK. Yes, of course, in-person instruction in class where you have a relationship with your instructor. But higher learning is not just about uh, uh, professors teaching students. It's also about debate within the academy itself. And if Definitely. you if you um, reduce the uh, number of people in the academy, the, the number of scholars, then you have um, sort of a decreased diversity of opinion and you have less competition between ideas and you have perhaps the end result of that is less rigorous scholarship. And there must be people worried about that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, the overall kind of apparatus of yeah, the way that these ideas get sort of um, produced and, and discussed and, uh, yeah, and sort of um, combed over is, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that's just like the system of, of the colleges and universities that, and, and that's been a support system for a while. And, you know, I can understand how a lot of people outside of that system think that it's kind of an odd system and... And maybe they think that it needs to be changed in, in, uh, in some ways. And it uh, almost certainly pr- probably does need to be changed in some ways. But, yeah, in terms of just kind of eliminating it in, uh, in entirely, yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some pretty, some pretty drastic kind of unintended consequences uh, with that. So, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, where to ultimately land on that, but just, uh, you know, online education is, um, is okay, but it's just, it's just not, it doesn't feel totally right to me personally, but you know, that's, that's just because I'm, I'm not used to it. So maybe, yeah, it may, may, I mean, yeah so maybe I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, if you were a dinosaur, what dinosaur do you think you'd be? I think you'd be a Brachiosaurus. Oh, a Brachiosaurus, or, no, wait. yeah. No, 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 wait. What's the one with that, f- with the fan on his back? Is that a like Brachiosaurus the, the, is a Brontosaurus. Yes, the fan. Is that the, uh, the uh, Diplodocus? Maybe. Would yeah. you be a Diplodocus or a Diplodocus? <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, you know, you could you could uh, fan yourself. You know, keep cool. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah maybe you are a, a dinosaur. There's, there's something weird about um, thinking about um, education in um, economic terms, which is sort of unavoidable, and of, of course, one of the primary arguments for getting an increased, you know, level of education is that you can get a better job, you can have better skills that right. make you more capable of competing in the global marketplace or whatever. Right. But it seems weird to me to treat education as a money hustle. That seems like a a sort of recent um yeah thing to just to look at it like a business and i guess of course you have to pay bills and whatever but um well yeah i mean you know that's the uh that's the uh, american way right i mean you know uh eventually we treat we treat everything as as a business you know the uh the uh, news right uh oh yeah 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 i mean you know the the, yeah so the the uh, news healthcare, you know it's it's stuff that you know needs to needs needs to turn a profit you know i mean we 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 can't have stuff that just exists for the sake of bettering human development uh well right we can't have we don't have a (laughs) we don't have a concept of bettering human development outside of economic terms right right. we we don't have a con a concept of well-being beyond wealthy yeah um and i mean i think it's definitely true that you know a thousand years from now, if there are still human beings on this planet, mm-hmm. when they discover the ruins of our civilization, right. they will they will look at our sort of our skyscrapers, our our, our deteriorating skyscrapers in our cities as a, they'll interpret them as a, as a, um, temples to the great dollar god. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they will look at us as having worshipped money in the way that. We look at other civilizations as having worshipped, say, the sun right. or uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but, yeah. uh-huh. you know, hey, if uh, if that's the culture we live in, let's get ours, right, Duncan? That's right. Let's get, it. Let's get that cheddar, yeah. So I've had, um, speaking of uh, market economics, mm-hmm. I've had... Um, I've had some recent adventures uh-huh. in the world of, of uh, supply and demand. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I've mentioned to you that we've been getting some weather up here. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I no longer refer to this as the filthiest garage in upstate New York. I refer to it as the coldest garage in upstate New York. Right. Um, um, it's an honorific title that is also probably not true but uh, we're entitled to some hyperbole on our own podcast well and, and you know yeah i can certainly see you right now uh bundled up uh while i am uh wearing my hawaiian shirt out here in southern california so you know i uh, my heart goes out to you well thank you duncan <laughs> if it makes you feel any better underneath my coat and my um sweatshirt 
and my scarf, yeah. I am also wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Awesome. So, so it's uh, <laughs> the sun is shining somewhere in my heart. Love we'll it. put it like that. But uh, it's been snowing a lot, and I have a very long driveway. It's I have an unshovelably long driveway, mm-hmm. and uh, I am blessed with an unshovelably long driveway. Wow. And so what I need is a snowblower. And mm-hmm. a pattern that I've noticed in my life is I always do things when it's too late, right? So I knew... Right that I had a long driveway, but I wasn't, didn't have the imagination to think of it in shovel terms Mm -hmm. until there was snow on it. So I never bought a drive, a a snowblower. Right. Um, then we got this huge snow fall and I thought, Oh shit, I need a snowblower. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? After it snows, you cannot get a snowblower because I'm not the only one who doesn't plan in advance. Sure. I, uh, so it snows and then there's no snowblowers, um, which is, you know, I guess that's supply and demand. That's that's supply and demand is like, <laughs> this is the capitalist system. When you need something, you can't have it. Right. When you don't need it, you can have as much as you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. That works. So so in, in June or July, I mean, there's snowblowers for miles at Lowe's right. and Home Depot and Tractor Supply is a store near me. Tractor Supply. Oh, yeah. Um, but I've also been able to take advantage of the other end of this um, of this equation, and I am pleased to announce to you and all of our listeners that this will be my final um, comedian and the philo- uh, a comedian and the philosopher from upstate New York's coldest basement. I have mm. secured an office for myself. Oh, wow. at at a um, at a uh, suburban office park in, okay. nearby in Connecticut, uh-huh. and um, <laughs> those office spaces, mm-hmm. they're giving those away. Is that right? Well, everyone oh, yeah. is working from home. That's all right. of these corporations have I relocated right their no. employees, so all yeah. of these office towers in the cities, all of all of these. Uh, you know, big suburban office parks. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for an office, I mean, they, I went in there. Yeah. <laughs> I have my own office. Sure. You know, uh, not a cubicle, but, you know, you shut the door, a desk and a phone wow. and, and all of this. And uh, and uh, a receptionist who will oh, make wow. coffee and, and you know, answer the phones and all yeah. that shit. And I went in there and they're like, look, this is what we're asking for. You tell me what you want to pay. And I told them what I wanted to pay. And I should have said less because they were like, no problem. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's so that's the upside of the supply and demand right there. If you want something that is in vast supply that no one else is using, you, you can get yourself a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so awesome. the lesson here is buy your snowblower in June. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Buy your toilet paper before there's a pandemic. That's right. Yeah. Or at least before uh, before Taco Tuesday, you know? There you go. <laughs> I'm well, trying to think of a, a mass event where everyone would have to take a shit all at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Well... That's, uh, so next time we do this, I will, I mean, hopefully it won't be too loud in there, but it, you know, uh, I, I'm also like really, just really looking forward to, I'm trying to look at, 
um, at my career more like an actual career. And in, right. in my case, as a comedian, right, I mean, I am the product and I am the company and I'm the CEO sure. and all of that. Yeah. And um, it's just been very difficult. I mean, first of all, it's very cold in here. And yeah. ideally, I do eventually want to uh, install heating in my garage and build it into like a studio and have like a green screen and do all this stuff. But yeah. it's just not usable right now because it's so cold. Oh, and yeah. just trying to get writing done and do other stuff around the house is basically... I mean, I don't want to say impossible, but it's very difficult sure. um, with the with the kids home because the kids oh, yeah. when they when I'm home, they think that it's like, you know, it's like family time, which right. it used to always be. But but now it's not. So I think there's also something like in, in addition to being able to focus for longer, I think there will be something psychologically valuable for me um, to like say, okay, I'm going into the office and then I go oh, yeah. into the office and then I'm at work. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. I was like, Hey, can we do a month to month lease? And they're like, whatever you want, big guy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and this sales guy, he was good. He was like, he was like, I like you. I say that to everyone, but I specifically like you. And it's like, Oh, this guy's good. Yeah, He's like yeah. from Chicago and we're, oh, cool. and it, there's yeah. a reason that like this guy still has his job when, I mean, I'm sure most of the salespeople for these corporate office suites are not working right now. Right, right. Okay, well, it's good news, good news, yeah. Yeah, so this is my, this is my, my final broadcast from this location, at least until I decide I can't afford this space, but it's so cheap, it's crazy cheap. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like 10 bucks a day. Right on, right on. Yeah, no, I definitely, yeah, I thought about uh, getting some kind of office space back when I was working on my dissertation, but yeah, it was just a little too expensive, yeah, back before the uh, pandemic times, but um, but yeah, I mean, if 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 you're if you're definitely somebody who's who is like serious about about writing and about sort of you know self motivated work, then that probably is the way to go uh, for stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you live with your girlfriend, but you don't have kids there. No, no, I don't. No, I don't have kids. Um, yeah, it's uh, 70 and sunny every day where I am. Um, you know, I, 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 I have no problems in my life. And yet, <laughs> I create problems in my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> Which I think uh, we were talking before we went on air yeah. about how... Um, the um, the human mind is a problem solving machine, and so in order to um, in, you know in order for it to function, it has to have problems. That's right. And so it is very good at seeing things that are not problems as problems, right. at finding problems, mm -hmm. and it is very good at overlooking um, everything that is right. You know, and just sort of like factoring that in into some baseline and not really putting any attention on yeah. the fact that it's 70 and sunny, the fact that you, you have peace and quiet, the fact that there's a roof over your head, the fact that there is a, you know, uh, food in the fridge, etc. And just finds all the things that are wrong. Right, and right. Um, and so on, on the one hand, I think that perhaps it means that our measure of success should not be how happy we feel because our our 
the mind is not really designed to do that. And the mind is very yeah. good. F finding out what's wrong and solving problems is very good for um, technological progress, social progress, intellectual progress, all sorts of progress. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's really what we're designed to do. We're not really machines that are designed to be happy. I also think it's interesting that, you know, um, we're all we're in a very polarized environment when, you know, everyone is highly partisan and we are all, you know, sort of deeply invested in finding fault with people whose opinions differ from our own. And oh, yeah. of course, this is evident on social media, you know, or social media has sort of accelerated perhaps this process. But I think a big part of it, too, is that, uh, you know, we don't have we don't have this enemy, right? If you think about, right. we don't have a unifying enemy. If you think about humans in the state of nature, the unifying enemy was the environment. So we all had to band together to ensure that we had, you know, uh, you know, that we had food, that we had shelter, that we weren't being attacked by lions. Right. And then once that's taken care of, it's like, okay, well then, then there's wars. Okay, those people over there, are mm -hmm. the problem and, and we feel connected. And I think in our societies, specifically, the end of the Cold War sort of signaled the end of having this sort of monolithic other for us all to unite in opposition to. And right. so as a result, we're kind of turning on each other because we have no unifying enemy. And that, this is a very depressing way to think of human nature, but I have yet to have anyone successfully talk me out of it. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, by and large, uh, correct, yeah, um, I mean, the Cold War stuff reminds me of uh, yet another um, dystopian uh, superhero story, uh, Watchmen, uh, which uh, basically ends with, um, yeah, the character Ozymandias creating this artificial alien invasion that will band together the United States and, and Russia, uh, and, and he basically does that to sort of, yeah, solve the problem of the Cold War, and he, he actually really does solve the problem. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's an interesting ethical um, issue of, you know, kind of utilitarianism on a broad scale of, yeah, you know, the, the ends justifying the means and so forth, but, uh, yeah, he... Uh, they, he ends up bringing about pretty much world peace through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He wait. He engineers a, an invasion from from outer well, space, or from it's it's yeah yeah. I, I'm 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 trying to remember the details of it. It's a weird thing where he basically, um, he he is able to like pull this like alien creature from another dimension and and pull it into our dimension, and it basically. Um, it basically completely destroys like this large part of New York City and like, you know, tons of people die and everything. But but basically as a result of that, um, yeah, all, all of the countries of the world pretty much band together against this alien threat. And it basically it, and, and it, like the the uh, Cold War is is completely over uh, by that point. And, yeah. Uh, OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, so isn't that basically the uh, idea of the movie Independence Day also? Yes, right, right. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So, 
that's a that's a kind of a, a meme or a or a trope that is out there. This sort of alien invasion that unites us, you know, and makes us um, forget our differences and see our common humanity. I think that's something that's really deeply baked into the human um, into the human mind, into the human psychology. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it doesn't <laughs> doesn't last. So. You no, know. definitely not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, one other thing I'm thinking about now is uh, in the uh, the uh, Princess Bride, right, with the character um, 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 Inigo Montoya, right, who mm-hmm. is just totally obsessed with avenging his father's death, and at the end mm-hmm. of the movie, he finally encounters the guy that killed his father, and he kills him, and then after that, he's like. I don't know what I have to live for anymore. Like, right. like this was the right. entire purpose of my life and now I've accomplished it. What am I supposed to do now? So, so yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. What was that Oscar Wilde quote? Uh, yeah. There's, there's two tragedies in life, right? One is not getting your heart's desire. The other is getting it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, life, Duncan. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we're going to figure it out on this podcast. I don't think there really is an answer. <laughs> oh, man, but that was what we were supposed to do on this podcast. I figure know. Out we, were life. To figure it, we were supposed to figure out life within the first 25 episodes, and then everyone can go home. That's right. Except everyone is home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so maybe we succeeded before we even began. Who knows? Wow. Well... Wow. Speaking of uh, division, um, mm-hmm. um, we uh, promised that we would talk about Jordan Peterson on this uh, on this episode. So I think we better uh, do yes. that. Yeah. Um, I say speaking of division because he's he's kind of a polarizing figure. He and is. When you and I uh, sort of, you know, we used to we used to uh, have a, a sort of maybe annual phone call. I would right. say. Or, or maybe it was biannual at times, but yeah. uh, you were always very good at keeping in touch. And um, and uh, uh, on on one of the uh, uh, so before we started doing this podcast, we we had one of those phone calls, and then we had another one, sort of oh, maybe a week later, and then another mm-hmm. one, sort of a week. So we had started um, corresponding regularly over the phone. And one of the things that we talked about in one of those conversations was Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah. And, uh, I remember you, you said that he was sort of one of your more recent intellectual heroes Mm -hmm. and, um, and you followed that up with don't tell my liberal friends. Um, (laughs) and, uh, he's someone who I had also sort of stumbled into. Um, I guess probably at this point, he, it's not. He's not some obscure intellectual. I mean, he's sort of a. Oh, no. He's a. He's a celebrity. He's famous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had. Uh, I had sort of. I had been captivated by his work too, and um, I guess I just sort of. We never really talked that much in depth about it, and mm-hmm. I guess I wanted to ask you sort of. Um, why he he is a hero of yours and 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 what what type of value you found in um either listening to his work or reading it i'm not sure if you've read his books or just mm-hmm. listen to him on podcasts or videos on youtube or what but um 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Most mostly just listening to him on podcasts. Yeah, I, I, I actually just just started reading his uh, his Maps of Meaning book. Uh, yeah, oh, cool. which is which is interesting. But yeah, so you know, I mean, yeah, Jordan Peterson. So yeah, I think I think when I first heard about him, it was from somebody posting a video on Facebook and. I clicked on the video and it was just this guy who was talking about Kierkegaard, who is a philosopher that I'm, I'm really interested in as well. And he was talking about him in a really kind of, yeah, interesting and clear way and just kind of about um, how it's, it's, it's kind of all about living life to the fullest and, and yeah, and so just kind of using, using these philosophical ideas and applying them in a sort of self-help kind of way, which you know I think is a is a is is a cool thing to do when it's done in a in a you know intelligent way. I mean, obviously there's there's ways ways to do it fairly superficially, but 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 this guy seemed like you know he really he really knew his stuff, and so and so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. I I, I saw this video. It's like well, oh wow, that's 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 uh, pretty cool, and and then I just kind of looked him up and, and just kind of looked at his general background. But when I initially looked him up, I guess I didn't see a lot of other stuff about him. And so like a couple months later, I started hearing about Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson, just like on, on, on the internet and like how he was this uh, figure of controversy and everything. And, and then that was when I got a little bit more into how he has basically become famous because he he kind of took this stand against um, some laws that were going to be passed in Canada about basically requiring um, gender neutral pronouns uh, in in order to kind of respect the 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 rights of uh, trans people and so forth and and Jordan Peterson kind of took a stand against that uh, because he thought that that, that was a sort of um, kind of I guess controlling totalitarian uh, way of, of on, on the part of the state to sort of uh, control things that the, the that the state really shouldn't be controlling. So you know, I mean, that's that, and and that's interesting. And you know, uh, yeah, I you know, for, for 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 people listening to this, if they know Jordan Peterson, they're probably more familiar with that aspect of him and that kind of the kind of controversial stuff about him. But yeah, I mean, to me, that's all just kind of like window dressing. I, I, I mean, to me, like the most interesting thing about Jordan Peterson is just like his, his work on sort of, um, I, I mean, his, his uh, formal background is as a, as a, a psychologist, but I mean, he, he also just seems to me to just generally be a sort of philosopher and uh, uh, a, a, yeah, a kind of philosopher of religion in in a lot of ways, and and somebody very much in line with uh, the sort of ideas of Joseph Campbell, uh, and I guess uh, Carl Jung is 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 the person that he's most directly influenced by. But but these sorts of um, deep seated psychological ideas um, related to religious ideas and kind of the way that we we sort of create meaning in our lives through them and the way in which everybody needs to have uh, this sort of um, the, the, the sort of hero's quest that they're on in order to kind of um, 
you know, f- figure out their life and 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 uh, ha- have a sort of meaningful uh, life as as a, a result of it. And yeah, so you know, I mean, I, I yeah, I listened to um, yeah at least three or four of his um, appearances on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and really just totally fell in love with 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 the guy and his and his ideas uh and and just his uh complete clarity in presenting them um yeah so i guess i guess all of that stuff is 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 what is most compelling to me about about jordan peterson i mean his other stuff about like doing that self-help book 12 rules for life and about how you know clean up your room and 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 then there's also a lot of Stuff he has about, you know, how, how uh, masculine traits uh, should not be uh, denigrated as much as they have been. I mean, I mean, I can I, I can understand the appeal that he has for other people um, in those respects. And I think that, yeah, in past conversations that we've had, I have sort of characterized him as sort of, yeah, w- w- within academia, Liking Jordan Peterson is is kind of like uh, liking Dane Cook uh, mm-hmm. within within the comedy world. I, I mean, it's 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 it's, uh, it's a kind of like you know Jordan Peterson is, is like kind of uncool, uh, you know, um, among among academics, uh, and yeah, and and it's 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 kind of considered kind of kind of basic to to like him, but but yeah, I think that. Um, I think there's a lot of lot, lot of really interesting stuff there, and you know, uh, yeah. I think if you if you kind of sweep aside the the controversy, uh, it's uh, something worth look, looking into. You know. <coughs> oh yeah, that's that's interesting. That it's yeah that he's the he's the Dane Cook of of academia. Right. Right. Um, right. It's um, it's. It's uh, I think it's apt that you pick Dane Cook rather than, say, like Kevin Hart. Yeah, because uh, so like I'm a comedian and obviously like I kind of think that Dane Cook is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I can acknowledge that he is at least very good at stand up comedy. Right. Right. Where it's it's not like someone like Kevin Hart, who is like essentially a fraud. You know what I mean? Not not uh, really a fraud, uh-huh. but like, but not good at, at stand-up. Just <laughs> extremely ambitious and right. very popular. But someone like Dane Cook is someone who's extremely ambitious and popular and sort of like very uncool if you're into comedy, but is also like objectively good at the art of stand-up. Right. Where I think, right. I imagine someone like Jordan Peterson, it's like, okay, like, it may be sort of this like pop sensation and it, and I, I'm not sure exactly what the objections are, but it, at least you can acknowledge that he is like, um, someone who is good at thinking and articulating his ideas, even if you don't like them. Right. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that a lot of the controversy around Jordan Peterson is just, yeah, I mean, he's, he's become a real kind of hero to a lot of like, I guess, men's rights, activists and like you know a lot of the uh the incels or i guess also the uh, vol cells um and 
you know. Oh, they have vol cells now too, not just in cells. Oh yeah, well, well yeah. I mean, like the. I, I mean, I think that's that's one of the main kind of tenets of the uh, the uh, Proud Boys is that you know they want to kind of preserve their 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 male energy and not not waste it on 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 women. You know. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a uh, a thing. But um, that sounds like sort of like an excuse for why you're never getting laid. No, I'm voluntarily celibate. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely an element of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, and it's interesting because, you know, yeah, if the, if if there is a if there is a flaw with Jordan Peterson, I, I, I think it's that he is maybe not quite as. Uh, cognizant or as tuned into the problems with having a group of people like that glom onto you, and you know he's he, he's in, in in some of the interviews I've heard with him where where people have brought up problems like that, he's he's been kind of dismissive of it, just like well yeah you know I'm 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 uh, saying things that are um, appealing to a lot of people and. Yeah, it just just so happens that the the majority of them are, are are men, but you know that's that that's uh, okay, and yeah, and so I guess I guess it's kind of like you know if 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 this group of people ha- has 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 come to really love him, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lash out against them, uh, and I can I can understand that, but you know it may be helpful if he kind of like. Did something like say, "Hey guys, take it easy a little bit with 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 uh, so, so, so some of the rhetoric that you, that you that you're um, promoting, and don't don't sort of draw the wrong conclusions from my from my ideas." But you know, so that's that's maybe the one thing that he uh, does not do that he that, that that he could do a little more. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. That's something I was thinking about too. Is like. Um, so a lot of the criticism that he gets because he does and and um, yeah, just to go back for a second, I know you were talking about the uh, ideas um, that he has about um, sort of mythology and mm-hmm. and um, and religious um, symbolism um, as being sort of the main driving force of your interest in his work and viewing you know his sort of self-help persona and particularly male self-help persona as kind of window dressing to that but i think that a lot of a lot of his ideas about taking responsibility come very directly from his sort of myth you know from his sort of symbolic interpretation of mm-hmm. these great um stories and myths sure and um it's sort of a little bit hard to separate them Neatly, I mean the the actual controversy you can separate separate, but the ideas that he has to to which people have objected are there's sort of a straight line from the one to the other. You know what I mean? From yeah. from the from his sort of philosophical um, psychology of I don't know of of whatever these stories are, and the, you know the idea of the, the so for the 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 idea of like clean your room take responsibility for yourself that the idea that like you know responsibility should be your driving force rather than um <clears throat> rather than rights 
right. responsibilities are more sure. important than rights to, to Jordan Peterson. I think that comes from looking at something like the hero's the hero's journey where, and I'm a huge Joseph Campbell fan too. Oh yeah. And it's, it's funny that he's not controversial cause he's not as, right. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't have the same personality or something. I think that's part of it too. Sure. Uh, um, but you know, the idea is like someone, um, is in a situation and re, you know, suddenly takes on this great responsibility for which they don't feel equipped. And then they find with help, that that comes along the way that they are able to um, take on this responsibility and save their people and then return back changed by the experience, but back where they began. And this is sort of like the circle of life. I mean, that's a very um, <clears throat> I mean, that's probably not the best description of the hero's journey, but that's the sort of basic idea. Sure. Yeah. And it's very much based on personal responsibility. Right. And so to get from these ideas you know, to clean up your room, you know, um, before you criticize the world is, it makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, well yeah, no, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I think you, you are, uh, correct in that. Yeah. The, yeah, there's, there's certainly not a, not, not a disconnect between his, his self-help stuff and his, and his other ideas. I, I think there's a, there's an, uh, definitely in kind of, natural organic development from, from from the one to the other and uh yeah and i think that yeah for that reason and yeah, yeah i may be kind of contradicting myself i i think in terms of him becoming this like big self-help guru uh i think it's i think it's better for someone like him to become that uh because he brings a real sort of academic training uh behind his his uh, ideas uh, as opposed to a lot of other people in that in, in that area that whose ideas are more kind of superficial once you once you kind of uh, peer beneath them so, so so yeah I think there's I think there's a lot more depth there so so you know for, for that reason yeah I mean if you're if you're gonna look to somebody for self-help Jordan Peterson is maybe better than most I, I but yeah at the same time I'm just I'm uncomfortable with the group of people in general who is looking to him for self-help. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I, I, yeah. And I want to get to that yeah, um, yeah. also, but I do, I, I do, uh, I did want to say that I think that there is an interesting, I mean, so, so the people who, who look to Jordan Peterson for self-help mm -hmm. tend to be, um, men tend to be kind of more right wing. And, yeah. um, I mean, there is, there is like this larger question of um, how much that matters. And I think maybe you're saying it, it matters more than Jordan Peterson seems to acknowledge. Um, mm -hmm. But I think there, there does need to be some kind of distinction between like the validity of somebody's ideas yeah. and the people to whom those ideas um, uh, speak. I mean, I think that that's almost, it's almost sort of like a reverse um, ad hominem to attack right. the person by attacking the people who agree with them. Yeah. Right. It's sort of mm -hmm. like your ideas are wrong because this group of people likes them. It's well, like, yeah, well it's, no, mm -hmm. if the ideas are wrong, then find fault with the ideas themselves. 
Well, right. Yeah, right? it's yeah, it's uh, guilt by uh, association. Yeah, guilt uh, by association. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's worthwhile um, to have that conversation. I um, I also think, interestingly enough, this idea of the primacy of responsibility mm-hmm. um, is. Uh, sort of paradoxically, maybe not paradoxically, but counterintuitively, very much in line with the sort of more um, law of attraction style mm-hmm. of self-help, where right. whether it's, um, you know, The Secret or Abraham Hicks or even like the Seth books, the, the basic tenant is that you are the creator of your reality. Mm-hmm. And so they get into more sort of magical thinking about how exactly that works but mm-hmm. it is a, a philosophy that is basically grounded in personal responsibility right. um, in, the, in the same way as the hero's journey or as it, uh, the 12 rules for life or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that's interesting because you think of law of attraction people being very crunchy, left-wing you know, types of people. Right. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But it, I, think, I think it has more in common... Um, at its core than it does just sort of superficially by looking at the people who are into it. Um, Well, yeah, yeah. Another, another odd uh, connection is that, yeah, I mean, this, this complete emphasis upon responsibility, I mean, it has a lot of um, connections to uh, existentialism in general, but specifically to the existentialism articulated by Jean-Paul Sartre, um, who, yeah, very much emphasized, um, yeah, the fact that, you know, whatever, whatever your life is, is, is like, I mean, whatever your circumstances, you know, you, you are ultimately responsible for them. And, you know, you as your, your existence is, is nothing more than the sum total of, of, of your actions. And so, you know, uh, yeah, and within within Sartre's philosophy, I mean, there's a lot of he talks a lot about this concept of bad faith, which is basically, you know, the um, the the countless strategies people use to sort of um, lay blame for you know the fact that you know they're not they're not living their best life, or whatever, on, on on all kinds of other things, and to say, well, you know, I I. I uh, I would do this, but you know, I'm I'm being prevented from from, from that because of this other thing. Or, yeah, yeah. And w- w- one of his most famous examples of, of bad faith is the idea of the the cafe waiter who is um, who is so completely um, fixated upon being a good cafe waiter that he like is is like pl- playing the role of doing it rather than being an actual person. And, 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 so, and so the idea of kind of losing your identity uh, in, this, um, in this role that you're playing, um, and that's another way to kind of evade the responsibility that you have um, on a kind of moment-to-moment basis in your, in your life. And so, so, so anyway, that's just all to say, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of connections between what Jordan Peterson is, is doing and Jean-Paul Sartre's philosophy. What's interesting is that Sartre was also a pretty hardcore Marxist, and Jordan Peterson is very much against Marxism. Uh, so, he is, although uh, as a young person, he was um, interested in socialism. He was, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and actually, that's in 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 his in his book. Yeah, I've I've just kind of read the introduction to it, and he goes into his his kind of 
autobiographical background with that and uh, yeah and it's and it's almost you know the sort of classic story of you know who the, the, the yeah it's like the, the only way that you can really be against something is that earlier on in your life you were really into it you know and uh, mm-hmm. yeah and, and mm-hmm. i think there's i'll get this quote wrong too but there is also some uh, I think a Winston Churchill quote where he says, right. anyone who's not a socialist when they're young doesn't have a heart and anyone who's not a conservative when they're old doesn't have a brain or something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So um, I, uh, I actually, I got into, uh, I was introduced to Jordan Peterson actually in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, through my interest in uh, psychedelics and the recent um, research, scientific mm-hmm. research into sort of therapeutic benefits of psychedelic uh, therapy, psilocybin for people with PTSD and depression and, and mm-hmm. also just for um, uh, sort of improving the lives of, of well people also. And there's a lot of, you know, research that's going into this for the first time in, um, you know, what, 20, 30 years, um, uh, Johns Hopkins University and NYU, and then also some places in um, England and some other places. And there was recently a book, in 2018, there was a book by Michael Pollan called oh, How to yeah. Change Your Mind about all of this stuff. And um, so I sort of stumbled on my first encounter with uh, Jordan Peterson um, because he posts all of his lectures from his, or he used to post all of his lectures from his, mm-hmm. from his, uh, um, classes at the university of Toronto online. And, and he's a, you know, a professor of clinical psychology. So he was discussing this research in a lecture of his and the algorithm, the, you know, the YouTube algorithm just gave me this video. Sure. And I thought, Oh, this guy is interesting. And then I listened to some of his other stuff and he mentioned to me that, uh, not to me, he mentioned Uh um that um his popularity had exploded after appearing on joe rogan's podcast and so then i listened to him on joe rogan's podcast and that was actually the first time i'd listened to joe rogan's podcast i was Mm -hmm. sort of vaguely aware that there was a guy named joe rogan who had a podcast but it was through Jordan Peterson that I actually discovered the Joe Rogan podcast. And it was through Michael Pollan that I discovered Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. And it was through my um, affinity for mind altering substances that I, no, not that I discovered Michael Pollan because I'd I'd read a bunch of his other books too. Okay. I was taking that one step too far, but then I started, you know, listening to him more and I became really fascinated by some of his more uh, sort of social social commentary style work, mm-hmm. um, in addition to the 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 sort of Joseph Campbell aspect, um, I really like. And anyone who uh, takes psychedelics loves to read the um, world in, in a symbolic way. So it just sure. like seems to just make sense, right. you know, from that standpoint. But um, I was really fascinated by hearing him say, like, no, actually men and women are different and the data show that they're different. Right. You know, and, and, um, and then just sort of holding up data to challenge the sort of prevailing, um, cultural narrative that's Mm -hmm. unfolding. And, uh, you know, I was fascinated by him saying, well, actually we do not live 
in um, in oppressive patriarchy, and that's an appalling way to look at the world. Right. And th- when I heard him say that, that was the first time I had ever heard that articulated. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I even agree entirely, although I think I mostly do agree that right. that is, I mean, of course, you know, there are patriarchal aspects to our society, but the idea that that was the only way to look at the history of the West, um, he was really the first person who I heard challenge that in an articulate mm-hmm. way. And it really um, started to radicalize me to the point where I, you know, I'm wearing a Pepe the Frog shirt right now. Yeah. So um, I'm not for right anyone on, to man. say. I'm Crowd not. boys, stand up and sta- stand by. Yeah. No, but I mean, I do feel like there's this, yeah, I, that's right. I do feel like there's this sort of arc to, um, to our cultural evolution, um, that is not, that doesn't feel beholden to, uh, evidence Mm -hmm. or our argumentation and, and is sort of a religious like in its own way right? and sort of, you know, cult like. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm sort of very interested in all of that. Um, well, yeah. So that's the part that's window dressing to you, but but fascinating to me. Well, no. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, you know, I don't mean to dismiss it by, by, by saying that because yeah, I mean, there are other interesting aspects to, to, to things that he, he does and says like, yeah, I think one of the most sort of well-known um, YouTube videos of, of his is an, an uh, interview that, that he did on uh, British television uh, with a with a, a woman um, and I, Kathy I Newman. Yeah, that's right. Uh, th- thank you. Yeah, with uh, yeah. with with uh, yeah Kathy Newman, where he specifically talks about the gender pay gap and how that's kind of, that's kind of a myth because basically. He, he and and he basically talks about how well yeah there are a number of reasons why you know men and women uh, you know you know if if you look at the data on how much money men make on average and how much money women make on average if if you look at that there there are a number of reasons to explain why there is a disparity there gender is one of them but that's only one of many other factors and there are many other factors um, involved with the sort of inherent differences between men and women um, and sort of personality types and so forth that can also explain uh, why, why there is a why there is a difference in, in the in the uh, pay gap there and and so, and, and, and I think that that's, I think that's a really, those are really, really interesting observations. And, and that's something that, that definitely needs to be discussed further. And I think what's, what's interesting is that those kinds of ideas, it's very easy to see how those ideas in the wrong hands can be exploited in some very bad ways. But I think if you just kind of, are able to sort of take a step back and not not get kind of politically charged about things, and just kind of look at it that way. Um, you, you know, there's there's an interesting discussion to be had, and so and so yeah, I think that's uh, yeah that's definitely another thing that I that I admire a lot about Jordan Peterson is that he's not afraid to bring up those sorts of uncomfortable 
ideas that that may seem to be politically incorrect, but just you know, if we if we kind of look at them, you know, in a somewhat dispassionate way, you know, we can we can have an interesting discussion about it. It's just it's just so hard to look at these things in a dispassionate way. Right. And and this is something that's probably been going on since the beginning of time, but I've just recently become aware of yeah. is that um <clears throat> is that if you are confident that your viewpoint is correct. Yeah. You shouldn't fear examining data or right. you shouldn't fear um challenges yes. to that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um but that's not what's going on by and large in the world. Right. It's sort of like people want to ignore, um, you know, we don't want to look at facts because we're afraid they might not support our viewpoint. And really our viewpoint, it's backwards. Mm-hmm. Our viewpoint should be based upon a careful consideration of the facts. And I feel like right. that's something that goes on kind of across the board. And maybe that's just how the human mind works. I don't right. know. Yeah, but, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. Something that just occurred to me. Yeah, this is something I remember reading about, and this is kind of um, um, tangentially related to to Jordan Peterson. Is I, I remember reading about this conversation between between Freud and Jung, and so you know, mm-hmm. you, you, Jung was kind of like. I, I guess early on in his career, he was kind of like Freud's protege, but then they had this kind of big falling out eventually. And it had to do with the fact that Jung was, it was probably alive. about cocaine. That's Usually right. when people have a falling out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Jung was, um, taken, taken, t- taken too much of that stuff. He was, uh, yeah. Bogarting the, nope. uh, the, uh, cocaine. <laughs> from, yeah. Were they both on the cocaine? I thought it was Freud who had the, no, cocaine no, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was definitely Freud. Um, but, um, but basically, you know, Freud's kind of psychological ideas. I mean, he, he basically was explaining a lot of, a lot of human neuroses and so forth in terms of these sorts of, uh, deep seated sexual, uh, problems and so forth that, that, that went back to um, sort of early childhood development and so forth. And uh, Jung was sort of a lot more interested in religious ideas uh, and these sorts of uh, the, the, uh, the collective unconscious of, of humanity uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and how those, those were, that was reflected in religious ideas. And so Jung uh, would, would kind of like bring up these religious ideas to Freud every now and then. And, and, and Freud would always be like, no, 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 we can't, we can't talk about religion at all because basically that way lies madness. Like, you know, basically for, for, for Freud, he thought that as, as soon as you kind of introduce religion into the discussion, it, it, it leads into this kind of um, primitive sort of dogmatic way of looking at things. And so Freud wanted to completely, like, eradicate, just kind of uh, eliminate religious ideas from, from discussion of psychology at all. Uh, and, so, and so Freud had this very kind of dogmatic side to his, to his personality. And it was maybe kind of understandable, you, you know, given maybe the sort of traditional religious ideas that he saw growing up and he wanted to rebel against that, but he kind of rebelled against it too much. And, 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 uh-huh. and then sort of Jung uh, was the guy that kind of brought those ideas back into uh, the psychological discussion. And so, so yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 I kind of see the same, 
same kind of thing going on there where it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if, if we even, if we even start talking about this subject that may, that may lead us down a very bad, bad path is, 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 is the sort of, uh, thinking that I see with like, yeah, yeah. The same thing with this, with this gender pay gap, uh, discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, I mean, that, that um, Kathy Newman interview is, like, pretty amazing. People should watch it if you haven't. I mean, yeah. it's got, like, 30 million views, so probably, <laughs> probably you've already seen it. But uh, yeah, no, it's... You, did you say you, say you use, use portions of it in your class, in your critical thinking class? <laughs> yeah, there was, there, there was one class I did where I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I basically showed that interview and I asked people afterwards, yeah, like, like what, what, what they thought about it, you know, if, if, uh, if, if they thought that there was, you know, if, if it changed their minds about the gender pay gap and so forth. And it was really interesting in particular, uh, hearing from the, the female students in my class. And there, 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 there was one student in particular and she, she, she was like, she said that she kind of, she kind of found Jordan Peterson a little bit annoying but she also had to kind of admit that his his argument made sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's interesting. That's actually that's actually how I feel about him a little bit. I don't yeah. necessarily find him annoying. Um, basically, like I'm glad that he exists. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't necessarily want to die on all the same hills that he's willing to die on. Yes. Agreed. But yeah. I think it's important that someone is willing to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, um, yeah, it takes the it takes the burden off because I don't know if I was going to rise to the calling of that particular hero's journey. Right. So, right. Uh, <laughs> um, there is, uh, I guess, what you were saying about um, earlier about the evaluating somebody in terms of who likes their ideas. That's a guilt by association. This is, this is something I had wanted to bring up later, but maybe Mm -hmm. I'll just briefly touch on it now is there was this article in the New York times magazine about, um, uh, a scholar who wants to address the, what he views as the, the whiteness problem. It's a, he's a classicist. Oh yeah. But the, the whiteness problem in the classics and, um, how we want to sort of, um, knock all of the uh, classical uh, Greek and Roman thinkers that are studied in the study of classics off of their pedestals, as it were, and um, sort of diversify the subject or even just um, destroy the discipline entirely mm-hmm. because of its uh, because of its ties over the years to white supremacists and and uh, and, uh, you know, white white supremacists sort of taking up the the um the mantle of you know the ancient greeks and the ancient rome's rome as part of their argument for white supremacy and um i'm sort of interested like what what you think about that because it seems yeah. to me sort of similar it's like okay well we have this discipline it's called classics the reason it's called that is because like the works don't change they stay the same right. that's why they're classic but um, also the idea that um, because of how people use the ideas, the ideas themselves uh, are wrong. 
even though these are sort of like the ideals, the ideas that have given birth to, um, well, say democracy and mm-hmm. um, equality and uh, liberty and all of these things. So I don't know. Do you see a, par- a parallel there with that? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely. And I promise yeah. we'll come back to Jordan Peterson. I just thought it just seemed like a oh, appropriate sure. time to introduce this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah, this was a really interesting arg- ar- yeah yeah article, and yeah. So this is this is a guy. Yeah, da- yeah, da- Danelle uh, Padilla Peralta, um, who is uh, yeah a professor of classics at uh, Princeton. Looks like him. Yeah, by all, by, by all accounts, yeah, from what I can tell from this article, yeah, a totally brilliant guy uh, in the in the field. Uh, so, yeah, seems very very impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, I um, I think that this uh, yeah this article really kind of um, to me it um, it showed a way to bring sort of critical race theory and more kind of yeah postmodern ideas of stuff it it, it 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 kind of it kind of showed showed a way to actually do that in a constructive way uh mm-hmm. in, in in a field like classics where it would seem kind of kind of challenging to do that but but it's it, but it seems like this guy is i i mean he's definitely well trained in the discipline he knows his stuff and he is uh he is dedicated to to changing the discipline um, and and making it more sort of sort of inclusive in this way and uh, and it seems like it seems like this is uh, potentially a um, a uh, good thing if it's if it's if it's done done in the right way and it and, and it looks like this this is the right way to do it um, but yeah I mean it it does raise questions in terms of like. Well, yeah. From now on, if somebody is taking classics in in a program that is that is redesigned in this way, I mean, will they still be reading the Iliad and the Odyssey and and all of these books? Like, like, I, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, it's good it's good to question and interrogate these fields of study, but it is also you know, necessary to kind of, the, the, I mean, there are certain core things that the students need to learn, uh, in mm-hmm. order, it, uh, and, and, and I mean, so, so something that, that I was kind of reminded of when, when, uh, reading about this was this idea of, uh, of, uh, cultural literacy, which is, which is an idea that was sort of put forth by this, by, by this guy, Edie Hirsch, um, decades ago and and it's 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 somewhat kind of controversial but just the idea that you know regardless of all this other stuff there's there, there's certain kind of core ideas that you know if somebody studies a particular discipline in college they need to come out of college knowing certain things and so that's maybe the first thing and and classics is kind of like the ultimate uh so, so, sort of like pr- prime example of, of of a field in which that's the case, where yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, classics, yeah, it's, I mean, there's something unchanging about it. There's something about how these are the works that define the standards by which all other culture is kind of, you know, 
if not judged, at least at least the, the way in which all other culture kind of develops. And so, and so, you know, in order to understand the rest of Western culture, we need to understand its its beginnings. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, again, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against, you know. <laughs> All of all of this critical theory stuff being imported into it. It's just, yeah, just so long as that doesn't, you know, prevent students from learning the basics as well. And I guess that's that's just ultimately the main concern. And and I'm speaking as somebody who teaches philosophy, which is also a pretty dead white male dominated field uh yeah i'm glad you brought that up (laughs) despite despite everybody's best efforts and you know and 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 i mean and i i will periodically try to kind of look at i mean especially when i'm teaching like intro to philosophy uh and i mean the way that i teach intro to philosophy i teach it as a historical survey right and because i think that's the best way to sort of organize the material but when you're teaching it that way uh you know uh, the what happens is that you know, and really, uh, and, until you get to the 20th century, you know, there's not there's not much there in terms of uh, in terms of prominent people of color or or female philosophers, uh, just because of the way that uh, society developed. Uh, well, Jordan Peterson would say it's because we didn't have uh, tampons back then. That was the the. That's always one of his examples of uh, one of the barriers to the entry of females into the workplace until the middle of the 20th century was the it was a hygiene issue. Oh right, okay, yeah, that and also yeah, yeah and also uh, birth control. Yeah, yeah, he talks about right. It. Yeah. yeah, that's that, that was a major innovation. Yeah, that brought more equality, but. Um, yeah, so there's that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely most of the uh, mo- most of the intellectuals that we've talked about on this very podcast have sure. been uh, white men, and the yes. question is, you know, uh, is is that their defining characteristic, or right? Is it more about the ideas? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, I don't know. Another interesting thing is that uh, you know, critical critical theory and then by extension critical race theory and um right intersectional feminism and so on mm-hmm. is based on the which is you know which is about um viewing the world uh, as as uh, as linguistically constructed mm-hmm. um and the language that we use serving to reinforce um the existing power structures uh, i.e. the white male patriarchy right um um, these ideas are based on the work of people like Foucault and Derrida, who yeah. themselves are white males. Yeah, I mean, Derrida at least was an Algerian Jew, uh, so he's got he's got some minority status from that. But uh, oh, okay, yeah. all right, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, but but I mean, I mean, but uh, I mean, but and Foucault yeah. was bald, so he's That's intersectionally right. oppressed somewhere, right? And uh, and uh, <clears throat> Foucault was 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 gay, so so yeah, there's that. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it better already. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, so. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I mentioned I mentioned Jean Paul Sartre earlier, so you know I'll just go ahead and mention Simone de Beauvoir, another mm-hmm. um, prominent existentialist philosopher, and one of the few female philosophers that I that I cover in my in my intro class who. Um, and I and I think she's a good example of somebody. I think for for a lot of um, a lot of time of of sort of uh, when, when when she was uh, considered within the field of philosophy, she, you know, she was kind of referred to as just like Jean Paul Sartre's girlfriend or something. But oh, for now, real? But 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 now she's she's finally uh, being considered a, a an important philosopher in her uh, own right and maybe even even a better philosopher than uh jean paul sartre was uh and uh maybe maybe a better better writer as well uh and and and, and i think that yeah a lot of her work uh uh is is sort of a, a necessary supplement uh to 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 things that sartre said and and, and a kind of corrective to to a lot of his sort of far too um, abstract ideas. So. We're in way over my head here, Duncan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, all right. So we've mentioned our first female philosopher on the program. Yeah. Um, I will mention that I think my favorite living stand-up comedian is Maria Bamford, yeah. also a female. Yeah, right on. Well, yeah, and uh, arguably the the most famous American philosopher right now is Cornell West. So, oh yeah. yeah, is that so? Is he's a philosopher, huh? Well, yeah, and I mean, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's he, he's almost more than a philosopher now. I mean, he's just kind of like a you know public intellectual. But yeah, his his training is in philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he has a PhD in philosophy. Yeah. What about Michael Eric Dyson? Is he a philosopher? I don't think I don't think his training is in philosophy specifically. Uh, I think it's, he, he's more African American studies or something. But yeah, huh. I saw Michael Eric Dyson doing a um, a uh, a debate with Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. and Stephen Fry, and I forget who his partner was, mm-hmm. but it had to do with political correctness, and it touched a lot on postmodernism and critical theory um oh that's interesting uh, uh, uh wait so 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 like J- jordan peterson and stephen fry were like on, on a team arguing against dyson and, and somebody else or yeah dyson and oh, um yeah. uh um <clears throat> uh peter let me see here. i'm gonna look it up okay because I, I just can't i can't come back next week <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly right. It was the monk debate um on per- political correctness. Um oh yeah, it was uh, Michael Eric Dyson and Michelle Goldberg arguing okay. for political correctness and Stephen Fry and Jordan Peterson arguing against political correctness. And just like that, we're back on Jordan Peterson again. Yeah. There we go. Excellent. Um so I did want to um, talk a little bit about um, about free speech generally mm-hmm. as as um, a value, um, which yep. I think is um, something that Jordan Peterson is 
very much associated with defending, right? Mm-hmm. So his he basically rose to fame and became this scourge of the sort of left-wing media because he uh, was vocally opposed to a, uh, a government... Um, uh, a transgender transgender rights initiative by the Canadian government, which he at least thought would legally compel him to use transgendered people's um, preferred pronoun. And he objected to it on the grounds that that this was compelled speech Mm -hmm. and that it was a very sort of dangerous totalitarian move. Right. And... um, I guess I just, uh, um, uh, his defense on Kathy New on Kathy Newman's interview was, was, uh, was fairly, I mean, that's the clip from the interview that all people see is she asked him, why should you have the right to offend me? And right. he said something about, well, because if you don't have the right to be offensive, then you don't have the right to think. Right. And here you are. You're you're asking me all these very uncomfortable questions. You're clearly not. You're you, you're clearly willing to offend me as well. You should be. Right. Um. So, um, yeah. What What do you think about this? Is Is free speech actually under under attack? I mean, are there there are things that are forbidden? Are they They're usually not legally forbidden. They're just socially forbidden. Right. Right. And it, is that different? I mean, I guess. Where I'm coming at this from is like, <clears throat> did you, oh, did you watch that Carlin clip that I sent you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was so interesting, this Carlin clip where he's talking, they're talking, he's on um, uh, um, Larry King and they're talking about Andrew Dice Clay. It's from like 1989 yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. And the one thing that Carlin says is, I will defend his right to say whatever he wants to the sure. death. But I do think that he's punching down and, he, you know, he should be careful making fun of, you know, immigrants and women and minorities because, right. you know, that's that's usually not what the job of comedy had been. And anyway, he's Jewish. So you start going down that list, you're going to find yourself at the bottom of it somewhere. Right. But he and he also... Um, he gave Carlin gave this analysis of um, of uh, Andrew Dice Clay's audience was I think it's mostly white guys who feel threatened by yeah. women and minorities and um, immigrants who are sort of taking the jobs which they had expected to be theirs and it's just so shocking to me that this is here this is thirty years ago and yeah. Carlin is basically like identifying the Trump phenomenon just like in another you know it's like the same. It's the same social conversation that we're having now, and it was 30 years ago. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that definitely did strike me. Yeah, it was weirdly uh, prophetic. Yeah, yeah, and I think that there is a straight line that can be drawn, yeah, from, from Andrew, yeah, the kind of stuff that Andrew Dice Clay brought up to now. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and I think that there's, there's comedians working now that are probably, yeah, in that same. Um, in the same general vein, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I can name any specifically. Although that guy that was that guy that was hired at SNL a couple of years ago, but then, but, but 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 then never actually appeared on the show, and he was he was like fired very shortly thereafter because because he's yeah it turned out that he said some 
some racial slurs on like a on like a podcast or something. He's well, that's Shane Gillis. That Shane, was yeah. total bullshit. Shane Gillis. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 either. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess in that specific instance, you can look at that from from two different ways. You can either look at that as, well, SNL should have never hired him in the first place. Uh, they should have done a little more research on him, or else, once they hired him, they should have, they should they should have, uh, you know, stood by him, right? I, I, I mean, yeah, one well, or the other, I'm, and and yeah, and and and. and, and Instead, they kind of split the difference in a very kind of problematic way. Well, also, like, I mean, I forget who this who this like shithead blogger is who like, like, you know, was interested in destroying this guy's career. But like the stuff that he said, like, unless unless I've got it wrong, I I might have it wrong. He used a a racial slur to um, to, uh, you know, a, a racial slur about Vietnamese people. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But he was not doing it as himself. He wasn't saying like, right. like, you know, I think you're like, oh, I'm sick of all these gooks in the country. He was right. doing a character where he's making fun of some guy from South Philly being like, oh, these fucking gooks coming over here. Right. So right. he's like right. making fun of people who talk like that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And okay. for well, that, he lost his job, which is right. to me, it's like this. This is where it's like, it's like, come on. What yeah, the yeah, fuck yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And you know, I, I, yeah, I, I was just kind of going off the top of my head there and I, I didn't even know the specifics of that incident. And so I could yeah. have that wrong. So like, I don't, I don't yeah. really know the specifics either, but that's, yeah. that's how it was explained to me. Okay. There was just this science writer from the New York times who was fired for using the N word in right. talking to a colleague, but he was using it in this instance of, of, you know, abstractly talking about someone had asked him if someone used the N word as a 12 year old, should they, should they be punished for that as an adult? And he said, well, was she using the N word, you know, singing along to a song or using it in a hateful way? But in asking that question, he actually used the word. Right. Right. And for this, he loses his job. And I think there's this like disconnect between intent and the, the New York times published this statement that, that we cannot tolerate race, racist language regardless of intent. But to me, right. the whole point of language is to convey intent, yeah. right? And, if, and, and once we start limiting it legally, what's allowed to be said, well, then we're imbuing words with a power they don't naturally have. Right. But then the postmodernists would say, no, language is constructed, you know, to, you know, instill and propagate certain so you know political hierarchies. So I don't even know what to think, but that sounds like bullshit to me. So that's yeah. all. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would, um, yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, if you, if you, if you divorce intent from language, that's that's extremely dangerous. And you know, I, I, I mean, that's something that, yeah, I think um, um, Jonathan Haidt talks about a lot in his in his work is that. Yeah, uh, another white dude. So his opinion doesn't matter. But go that's on. That's right. Yeah. No. I mean, he has a he has a slightly higher pitched voice. So you know, maybe that puts him in a minority. Uh, there we but, go. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all very very problematic. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Andrew Dice Clay, you know, I yeah, I. I think it was an interesting point Carlin made where, where, yeah, he's, 
he 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 uh, totally has has the right to say what he's saying, but you know, it's not it's not something he 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 would endorse personally. Yeah, because yeah, I think that you know um, when comedians become sort of bullies, uh, that's that's where that's where comedy starts to lose its uh, comedic validity. Uh, I guess uh, we could. We could say, um, sure, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, when I when I, when I think about Andrew Dice Clay, you know, I I, I used to read um, Roger Ebert's reviews from 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 his archive online all the time, and Roger Ebert had had a review of <laughs> one of Andrew Dice Clay's concert films, and if you're familiar with Ebert's work at all. You know that Ebert almost never gives zero stars to something, and when he yeah, does, yeah, yeah, and when 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 he does give zero stars to something, it's not just because it's bad, but but it's because he thinks that there's something morally objectionable about it. <laughs> okay. And 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 he gave that to to uh, one of Andrew Dice Clay's specials, and and I uh, I just remember him the, the the review ending with watching this special. I understood how fascism is possible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's so interesting to me. I mean, I think that like the part that Carlin said about he, the first thing he said before sort of dismantling um, the dice man's act as yeah comedically invalid right was i will defend his right to say it to the death yeah and i feel like that's the part of the conversation that you don't hear as much sure well yeah yeah and that's and that's where things get really really slippery because because yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to be the guy that stands up to defend that you know you know if you're if if you're like the only one doing that and and, right. and, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, you get, um, I, I, I mean, I, um, I remember, um, ha- having this discussion with somebody about how, yeah, there was a similar controversy when Joe Rogan, um, endorsed Bernie Sanders. Uh, and right after that happened, um, somebody put up a video of, um, Joe Rogan saying the N word on his podcast as like, yeah, you know, you know, Rogan is, is, uh, is, um, um, totally, to, totally okay. Say, 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 saying the N word. And if you look at the video, if, if you look at the clips of him, of him doing it in, in the video that was posted, it is totally clear that in every case, <laughs> He is, you know, he is never saying it in a way that he is directing it towards a person. He is saying it in terms of talking about the word, uh, you know. So, so, um, and and so, you know. I guess that's that that that's the problem is that you know, words like that have become so radioactive that even just saying them at all, and you know, we have never actually said the word on this podcast itself, and. I have no intention of, of doing it myself and, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like at this point, <laughs> you can't even say it because somebody can take it out of context and say, 
this guy said it. <laughs> And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there's the, there, there, there's there's something really, you know, we've we've we we've gone down a weird road here. If 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 this is if this is where we're at with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think to get back to Jordan Peterson, yeah. I think that's what he was standing up against. Was this is again like a hill that I'm glad somebody else is dying on. Right, for the rest right. of us, yep. where he said, he said, look, if he said, I would pro, you know, he's, he does use people's preferred gender pronouns. Right. Right. And he said, well, I don't, I think it is, you know, it is reasonable to be polite to people yep. and, you know, not to offend them unnecessarily, right. but it is not reasonable to give up your right to be offensive. Mm-hmm. And yes. the, um, I think the problem with, uh, with eroding um, freedom of speech as like, is that of all of the rights Mm -hmm. that we are granted, all of the civil rights that we are granted, it is, there's a reason why that is the first one on the Mm -hmm. bill of rights. It's sort of the one that makes all of the other ones possible because if you don't have that one, then you can't really discuss the other ones. If you have, Right. Um, an, an opinion which is not allowed, mm-hmm. then you can't work out the details of how to ensure you know equality and fairness to the best of your ability for everybody else. So there's there's a way in which I I've heard other people say this where it's sort of like the the um, freedom of speech is like freedom of thought, right. and and it's that has to be sort of like the master right that. Um, that allows all of the other civil rights to exist. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> well, should we talk about this more, most recent controversy? Oh, the return sure. of Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Unless you let's have anything else to say about free speech. I don't know. No, no. I mean, I also do get it where when people are like, oh, you're just like, you're, you're just like, you know, you just stick up for free speech because you want to say terrible things. And yeah, okay. I'm sure there are a lot of people like that. I'm sure that is yeah. true, but. Oh but yeah. Also, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, I think this was something we, we just talked about last week was yeah. Like, you know, when people complain about political incorrectness, uh, sometimes th- that's just them saying, Hey, I no longer have the right to be just a complete asshole anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, but I think that Pete, we need to grant the right for people to be complete assholes, right? Well, yeah, and, Not- and, 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 and I mean, and I think that's the, yeah, that's the distinction. It's like, yes, you have the right to be a complete asshole, but I have the right to <laughs> tell you that you're being a complete asshole and to, you know, um, socially, you know, distance myself from you. Uh, and uh, Even after the know, pandemic. Right, even afterwards, and, and to, you know shun you and uh think you're think you're not a good person uh right i think the meme version (laughs) of it is freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences that's right right. you can say whatever you want but ebert might give you zero stars so exactly yeah but i think it's important that people be at least legally allowed to say essentially anything i mean if for the only reason that you want to be able to identify people who have really abhorrent views Mm mm-hmm yeah and when you and I do think that it actually does imbue language with a power that it's not intended to have, 
right. when you make certain speech illegal. It's like, well, okay, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can. Well, now words can't. Now words become elevated to this sort of, you know, to, to have this power when they're divorced from their intent, which, which they weren't intended to right. have. The whole purpose of language is that it's as a tool. And of course, all tools can be used as weapons, yes. but it's a tool for the transmission and deciphering of ideas. And so if somebody, if somebody's um, received interpretation of your speech is not what you intended, right. well, that's not an equally valid thing to your intent. It's just that that's an error of communication. And then you know, we need right. to correct that error. Um, sure. and, and I think it relates back to the principle of charity, which we've talked about before is like, if somebody says something that's really horrible to you, maybe first, like <laughs> wonder if you, if you misinterpreted it, but I feel yeah. like that's something that's missing from our discourse right now is like the idea. It's like this sort of like outrage all the time. And it's like, well, maybe we should give each other the benefit of the doubt that like, maybe that's not what the person meant, but it sort of seems like it doesn't matter anymore. That's what right. you said. It doesn't matter what you meant. That's what you said. Right. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say uh, one more thing. Yeah. About the sort of principle of charity and then we can move on. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I recently had another one of my kind of Facebook interactions with a more conservative friend and love it. And, you know, I, I mean, this is, this is like, I, I mean, this isn't necessarily something that just 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 for the new year, but just I, I mean, in the last you know couple of months, um, I mean, I have kind of had this determination of like, okay, if I get into a Facebook, you know, back and forth with somebody, I'm going to do my absolute best to make it civil and to make sure that you know it doesn't get really ugly. And you know, I'm 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 always. 50% responsible for whatever happens in these. Uh, but so, yeah, basically what happened was that, yeah, so this the, the, this guy I know that I like personally, but who has very different political opinions from me, posted something about how, like, the gist of it was just, like, he, he was saying how, like, pe people on the left are talking about social justice and about right and wrong and everything, but they're okay with abortion and then, and then, and and he then proceeded to go into this very graphic description of like what what a partial birth abortion is and so forth. And I'm not not going to get into that, but just basically like, okay, how can you how can you be okay with that and yet talk about right and wrong and all of these other areas of you know society and so forth? And what and 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 I posted as a response just so unless you're pro life. You can't have a moral stance on on any other position. Is that the is that the takeaway from this? And you know that mm -hmm. that was that, that was just my my question. And and he, and he basically just responded to that to that saying no. Uh, and 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 I think this was a guy who who just had become very kind of impatient with a lot of people sort of um, misunderstanding his position and so forth. And say and, and and he was like, I'm not saying that you know. Just, just, just because you're, uh, you're, you're pro-choice or something, you, you can't have other positions. I'm just, I'm just trying to li li lay out what, what my position is on this and so forth. And, 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 and he, and he, yeah, he posted something else, uh, else about how he was, he was really impatient with people like willfully misunderstanding him. 
And then I posted something else just saying, hey, I was just trying to like legitimately understand your position and just understand how like, is it still okay for me as somebody with more pro-choice views on this to even enter into the conversation on other issues of morality in the first place? And, and I'm glad to hear you say that it is okay, but I also would have understood if you thought that it if you thought that it wasn't okay if somebody didn't have correct views and and then he just he just responded to that saying oh yeah um, so so yeah yeah sorry if i was being overly suspicious you know and and i was like that's that, that's fine yeah you know so so you know we kind of we kind of resolved it there so you know it felt it felt good to at least get that far in that kind of exchange. Yeah, man. There's something about like social media um, comments where there's no, you can't see into the person's eyes. You can't hear the tone of their voice. Absolutely. And there's just like this perceived layer of snark that yep. is always there, even on, on just like a, a, a purely a straightforward question. Like, yeah. like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And it just really made me reflect upon. Yeah. Yeah, with with Facebook conversations, there's there's oftentimes so much this, yeah, this unspoken yeah aspect of yeah snark or sort of one, yeah sort of one upsmanship, and it's like, and 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 sometimes it can be really disarming when somebody all of a sudden is just like, well, no, I was just actually trying to understand your position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should all we should all do that more. Yeah. 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 Right on. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Duncan, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but sure. I thought we should briefly touch on this uh, article that you sent me um, that, from the Daily Mail um, mm-hmm. about going back to Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson has been very ill for a long time, yeah. and uh, he now has a book coming out. And he did he and his daughter did an interview uh, with with the the Daily Mail, which is a paper mm-hmm. in London. Yep. Um, and it was, uh, ended up being, I, you know, I would characterize it as a really nasty hit piece, um, suggesting that, uh, his daughter is sort of stage managing him and controlling him, suggesting that he is a drug addict and a, uh, um, and a, uh, schizophrenic possibly, Mm -hmm. and, uh, basically a total crackpot, um, uh, medically. Um, ignoring the advice of his doctors and so on. And um, it, it looked to me like a, just a pretty straightforward Jordan Peterson hit piece in line with a lot of, uh, you know, in, in the in the grand tradition of uh, of uh, Jordan Peterson hit pieces in the media. And um, right. I'm wondering what was uh, specifically interesting about it to you or or uh, unique or noteworthy. Well, yeah, I guess I guess what was most interesting to me about it was that I first heard about it on Jordan Peterson's Instagram account. Uh, so, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was an interesting thing where as soon as it came out, like Jordan Peterson, like, um, immediately reacted to it and was like, yeah, so for, for, for everybody who wants to see this, you can read this article here and then you can, you can listen to the actual unedited audio interview. <laughs> on on uh, YouTube and unfortunately this is one of those one of those uh, situations where uh, yeah you know for, for a lot of people the the facts the facts uh, exceed one's one's curiosity per, per, perhaps in terms of like you know actually actually listening to the full um, 
unedited uh, interview, but but even if you listen to just a little bit of it, you it's it's very kind of yeah, I guess creepy how how like friendly and sweet the interviewer sounds talking to uh, Jordan Peterson and his daughter there, and then reading the article where it's where yeah she's she adopts this very kind of aggressive skeptical tone towards everything about them and their lives and so, and, and so yeah I, I mean there's there's something very kind of inherently two-faced about it yeah and the uh yeah yeah the the uh, woman who who uh did the interview yeah Decca Aitkenhead is her is her uh, name uh yeah did a little bit of research into her I mean seems like she's just a, a long-term uh writer at the uh yeah the the uh, times uh yeah um did I say the Daily Mail? I meant the Times. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. See, uh, the the uh, Times is where this the where Times this of article London, is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, so so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess there's nothing there's nothing especially interesting about this article other than just it's it's the most recent example of um, a general kind of. Um, prejudice that uh that certain media outlets seem to have against jordan peterson yeah Uh, yeah Yeah, i mean it it seems to me like um this is another example of uh one of these logical fallacies where or or i guess it's it's a sort of a form of ad hominem right where Mm -hmm. the the the, because he's sort of opposed to the broader social justice narrative this uh this interview was used as a way to sort of smear him and his family right. um, personally so as to discredit his his arguments rather than addressing his arguments head on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I, yeah, I think that's pretty common. It's, it's a, an unfortunate kind of discourse. There is um, a possibly more cynical interpretation of the whole thing, which just occurred to me if you'd like mm-hmm. to hear it. Okay, so this is complete conjecture. It's not even hypothesis, it's conjecture. But Jordan Peterson has a new book coming out in March. Jordan Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson has been a very controversial figure and he has, his fame has benefited greatly from the controversy surrounding him. It is also possible to um, conceive of a world in which they did an interview with a journalist who they figured would be um, hostile to them and then mm-hmm. used that hostile um, article as a way to gin up publicity uh, in advance of this new book. Um, right. This would be supported in part at least by the fact that you first heard about this article article from him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, that is a, that is a possible interpretation. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that that's true, uh, you know, yeah. and I, oh, sure. but, um, yeah. but like with, the, with these people, the Petersons, like, the, like Jordan and now Michaela, like Michaela mm-hmm. Peterson is famous. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she is, she has also been on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. And she is famous because her dad is famous. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, would she, like, mm-hmm. mm, I would like to read you one sentence from Jordan Peterson's reply to the yeah. uh, to the um, to the email uh, to the article, 
he sent a he he wrote a letter to the uh, so editor of the paper. And there's one sentence which I thought was very interesting. You sent it to me. Mm-hmm. So one of the allegations is that Michaela Peterson is stage managing her father. Basically, her right. father is ill, and she is sort of like you know, uh, pulling the strings of the puppet to sort of keep the Jordan Peterson industry alive for her own personal gain. Right. Is that right, a right. fair summary of, yeah. of one of the, okay. I read, so she, he's Miss uh, Agnew is the name of the uh, editor. Dear Miss mm-hmm. Agnew, I reread this polite, positive and hopeful interview request letter of today after the promised Sunday times piece on my daughter and I was published. Okay, I'll read that. Mm-hmm. I reread this polite, positive, and hopeful interview request letter of today after the promised Sunday Times piece on my daughter and I was published. I think that of shouldn't be there. I think it should be. I reread this polite, positive, and hopeful interview request letter today after the promised Sunday Times piece on my daughter and I was published. Okay. It might be just a, a Canadian thing. Okay, of today. Okay, so Jordan Peterson is one of the... He's a very intelligent person. He's a very mm-hmm. learned person. Yep. He would have said, I reread this polite, positive, and hopeful interview request letter today after the promised Sunday Times piece on my daughter and me was published. But it says, you after think- the Sunday Times piece on my daughter and I was published... Which sounds more like something that somebody who doesn't really know English grammar that well, but was trying to sound like a professor would write. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's on my daughter and me was published. Huh. Oh no, no, it would be and my daughter and me. You, you would say, you would say, I re I reread this polite, positive, and hopeful interview mm-hmm. request letter today after the Sunday promised Sunday Times piece on me was published. You wouldn't say after the promised Sunday Times piece on I was published, and you add my daughter to it. That doesn't that doesn't change the uh, the subject uh, agreement, whatever. So it's it's certainly grammatically incorrect, and it's just surprising to me. That's like grammatically incorrect in the way that like a twenty year old girl would a girl in her twenties would write, and not like a fifty year old professor. Well, it's interesting because it is grammatically incorrect, and yet me as a college professor reading it, I didn't I I, I didn't pick up on it being grammatically incorrect. Oh, is that right? <laughs> no, that's funny. That's the very first thing I noticed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So so um, that doesn't bo- that sentence doesn't bother you at all. That's one of those things that's like nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't fucking stand really? it. Really? When, huh. when people mis- mix up I and me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, yeah, one I, is I, a... I, I, mean, I mean, you're right that, yeah, the, yeah if, it was, if it was on me, it, yeah, yeah, on I is obviously wrong. But if it's on my daughter and I, that makes it sound okay. But it's still wrong. It's still... I guess, I guess it, it is still wrong, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, one hundred percent is. I mean, okay. it's 100%. yeah. <laughs> I should know this better. <laughs> I grade papers for a living, but anyway, that made me. I wasn't that... able to catch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, your grading papers is a lot more like implying AI. Uh, you know, employing AI to like d- detect plagiarism, right? And then well, seeing if there's a coherent and, argument. And, and and also, yeah, uh, a lot of times, you know. As long as it 
sounds kind of like uh, regular English. That's that's like the highest standards that I'm I'm looking for with papers a lot of times. So anyway, because <laughs> it's the um, it's the indirect object, right? Isn't that what it is? Well, the, uh, on on that, that 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 would be that would be direct object, I think. Yeah. No, the direct object is the Sunday Times piece on me. After is, the promised Sunday Times piece on my daughter. So yeah. the Sunday Times piece is the direct object, and the my daughter and me is the indirect object. I guess. And so, yeah. Yeah. and so you'd use me. Right. Yeah. You'd use me for indirect object and right. I for direct object. Well, no, I no, 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 I, no, no. It would it would be me in uh, both cases. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Anytime it's the object, yeah. it's me. Yeah. And yeah. when it's the subject, it's I. So I publish right. the Sunday Times piece. You yeah. publish the Sunday Times piece on me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anytime it's a, an object, it's it's weird that we don't learn the grammar of the language language that we speak. All of the grammatical rules I know from studying German. Yeah. Ikalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Duach, yeah. 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 Um, okay. I just wanted to bring that up because it seemed like if there is some conspiracy where uh, Michaela is sort of like taking over from her very sick father, mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but it could also be just that her father is very ill and not writing at his best. I mean, that was what was yeah. so nasty about the piece to me was this sure. guy has like clearly been very, very ill for right. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a kind of like kick him while he's down kind of thing. It was just Absolutely. fucking really nasty. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very, uh, very disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we still didn't figure out life, uh, so I guess we'll have to do another episode next week. Well, we may not have figured out life, but we at least have 12 rules for life, an antidote to chaos by Jordan Peterson and his upcoming book which I think is called Beyond Order Beyond <laughs> Order like which sounds which sounds vaguely um, ominous but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's leapfrogging a new order and just going beyond order entirely that's right it's like now, now, now we're going to be super orderly. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do like a lot of the thing. Like I said, I do appreciate Dr. Peterson in terms of being sort of like a um, a sort of a a, a stake pole, um, a stick in the mud, kind mm-hmm. of a stick in the mud. I do appreciate him being kind of a a stick in the mud, sort uh-huh. of standing up for you know, a sort of like established order of, of Western civilization. There are things about like an antidote to chaos is the subtitle of his book. Right. But he also identifies order as the masculine impulse and chaos as the feminine impulse in his book. It's true. So yeah. you could read the subtitle of his book as an antidote to femininity, That's which right. you can see why that would be upsetting to people. Yes. The problem kind of what he's doing is he's like poking poking women in the eye right. and then and then when they get mad being like well let's not get so emotional about this i yeah. mean it's sort of, it's yeah. sort of this sort of like classic there is a sort of classic chauvinism to it that i appreciate well <laughs> sure sure yeah I, I i mean i think yeah in that in that um kathy newman interview specifically there are parts of it where 
yeah, I, I mean, you could show clips of it if you wanted to, like, illustrate. This is what mansplaining is. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It could be used for a different class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, Although, to be fair, that's, like, why he's on the show is to, like, explain things. Well, yeah, and that's, and, the, and, and that's the sort of other side of it is that, yeah, once you introduce, yeah, a concept like mansplaining, then... <laughs> Yeah, you're in the bind of, yeah, you as a man, if you're ever explaining anything, somebody can accuse you of mansplaining. It's like, okay, well, I'm just trying to explain in a helpful way. But <laughs> I'm sorry if, for if, mansplaining. You are just femme asking me, so. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,. Anyway, I think we've mansplained plenty today. Okay, and, well, yeah. Uh, um, if, if you have any questions you would like to fem-ask us, uh, <laughs> you can do that by writing to us at thecomedianandthephilosopher at gmail.com. Yes, and we will, we will do our best to, um, to testicularly answer the, uh, <laughs> the questions. <laughs> Gonad specific in, in answers only. Phallocentric way. Yeah. Phallocentric. Very good. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have man spreading out in uh, in California, or is that just a New York thing? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My uh, my uh, girlfriend accuses me of man spreading all the time on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> man spreading is a ph- phenomenon that is mystifying only to people who don't have balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you just don't understand this is just a more comfortable way to sit for us yeah and like i'll move if you need some room but like right. know that in order for you to sit down i am squishing my balls so right. that's right yeah a little appreciation yeah 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 i guess in uh, new york that's more of a problem because of the uh the subways and the stuff. subway people man spreading yeah. on the subway oh yeah, these yeah, people yeah. man but there are all these like tortured interpretations of why it's like they're just trying to like stake out their space and it's some dominance it's like no bitch i have balls right there's balls here so it's like i have two choices i can man spread or i can man squish my balls and yeah. it's up to you yeah. i mean well it's up to me i guess the problem is anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. We've gone far enough down this. Uh, we've anyway. Um, yeah, the comedian at the philosopher at gmail dot com. This uh, this has been fun. Thank you, Duncan. And yeah, uh, thank you, Mike. I'll see you next week from my All office. Right. I can't wait to report to you. I can't wait to do a whole podcast without my toes feeling like they're going to fall off. It's going to be, it's really going to be next level, I think. So everyone should definitely tune in next week and see what a warm Lebo sounds like. It'll be a yeah. change, I assure you. Amen. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. I'll All talk right. to you then. Can't talk wait. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs>